0: This program is brought to you by The Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Um, Let's jump into the Word for this morning, shall we? All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The title for this morning's message is Essential Joy Through Suffering. Essential Joy Through Suffering. We're um, going through a series called Essential Joy. We're going through the book of Philippians. Uh, for many of you, that's your favorite book. In fact, just this morning, I was talking to a friend of mine who said, that's my favorite book. Uh, I'm not surprised. For a lot of people, the book of Philippians is their favorite book because um, it resounds, it echoes with hope, with with joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of failure, in the midst of opposition. It echoes this beautiful joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, joy through suffering, it sounds like something that you, could, that you would hear in a church, but could never really practically apply in your life. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah? Oh yeah, joy through suffering, brother. That's what the preacher preached on. Why do you look so gloomy? Because I have no idea how to apply it. Right? I mean many of us as believers, you, you memorize scripture, you know most of the book of Philippians by heart, but we we oftentimes it's not because of your lack of faith. I think sometimes it's just that the, you know, we've not responded to what the Holy Spirit's been teaching us to find joy through suffering, and I, and my wife and I, I debated with her a little bit about if it should be joy through suffering or joy in suffering, and we decided that it was going to be joy through suffering for a reason. You see, Paul is in prison, and he's in prison because he's preaching the gospel, and the religious stuck-up people, the self-righteous folks, they say that he's a blasphemer and that he deserves death. He's sent off to a Roman prison to await his trial, and while in prison, while in Roman prison, there's a guy named Aphroditus. Oh, gosh, I tried to learn to spell his name right. Please don't name your children that. okay? is, <laughs> he's a great guy though. He's a great guy. He falls sick and he nearly dies, but I'll preach that another, another, another day. Um, but he comes from Philippi just to see how Paul is doing. What a beautiful friend, huh? Who travels and says, hey, I've come to see if you're okay. I heard, We heard you in prison. The church is so caring and concerned for you. And they sent me and I risk life to come here and to tell you that we love you, Paul. How are you doing? And Paul, he's replying to this beautiful church that he loves. Do you feel that warmth of love? He says, oh, Philippi, church, I love you so dearly. And I'm going to tell you that I'm doing great. I'm going to tell you about my suffering, but I'm also going to challenge you to rejoice in your suffering and to know that the gospel is not changed, even though I'm in chains. And that's pretty much what the book of Philippians is about. It's a letter of love in reply to the love and care and concern that they sent him. And he's writing in prison, and he tells the church, not have this deep concern of loss for him but to know that he is rejoicing and he challenges them to rejoice and the question that I keep on coming back to is how Paul? How did you manage to find essential joy? And you see as I go as a hungry man starving for food looking for Paul, how did you find joy? I'm finding so many different things that it's good for us as believers to pay attention to for us to have joy through suffering because you and I are going to go through this. I was reading a a book this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a commentary written by pastors. It's like an expositional commentary um, written by, I think it was uh, David Platt and um, Francis Chan. And one of the things that he says is, um, it's actually really uh, I had to highlight it. He says, this is one of the most relevant passages in the New Testament on how to maintain joy in the ministry. Ministry, whether vocational or non-vocational, can drain the joy out of you. And he says, I used to be a lot more critical of pastors until I became one. Now when I see a sincere gospel minister, I just want to hug him. Um, I'm not a big fan of hugs. You can high-five me, okay? Yeah. And he says, it's often said that pastors think about quitting every Monday morning. Sometimes you go through seasons where every day seems like a Monday morning. The pastor burnout rate is off the charts. The responsibilities are vast, and the burdens are exhausting. Paul knew this church pressure, and he experienced countless waves of opposition. Yet, while Paul knew these difficulties intimately, he could essentially tell the Philippines, I rejoice, you should rejoice. And what I want to share with you this morning is, is six things. I know typically I preach a three-point message, but these are six things. And while I was preparing this, I have to be honest with you, there was a little bitterness because I've had my fair share of rocks thrown at me, my fair share of slander, and on Wednesday, I really wanted to go against that and, 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 you know, talk against it. But on Saturday morning, God healed me from it, which I am thank God for. And he said, instead, I want you to challenge those who had their hand on the gospel plow at one point and then lost their joy because of suffering. And to remind you that joy is a fruit of the Spirit... And no one can take that away from you. You see, if, 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 if every single chair was filled and if that's what brings me joy, then I can lose that joy when chairs are not filled. If, if people applaud me and that's where my joy comes from, then they have all the right to take away the joy when they leave. But if my joy comes from the Holy Ghost, if my joy comes from Jesus, if my joy comes from the gospel, then no man can take that away from me because that's a joy that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. And maybe you're sitting here and you're asking yourself, how can I be joyful in the midst of suffering? How do I manage to get through and still have joy while suffering? How can I stay focused on the task ahead of me for the kingdom of God when those that should be working alongside me have toned me down? How do I get through when at one point I found joy when people were screaming, Hosanna, 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 and three days later, the resounding echoes of crucify, crucify, crucify is all I hear. How do I find joy in the midst of suffering? You see, this morning as I was driving over here, I prayed that God will bring the right people this morning and that God will remove the wrong people. I believe that you're here for a reason. I believe that we had a time of beautiful worship because you are here to join in the body of Christ. I believe that this morning, God is calling each and every one of you into a new job opportunity for the kingdom of God. To once again put your hand on the gospel plow to carry the cross like your Savior did to take the beating, to take the lashes, to take the slander, to take the abuse and through suffering to find joy in preaching and sharing the gospel like you once did. Six things, like I said, that Paul is going to remind us of to find joy in the midst of our suffering. But before that, Peter, he also writes of this. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. I know that sitting... these chairs over here are some of you that have been grieved by various trials for the sake of christ you've been grieved by various trials because of the rocks that have been chucked at you because of your faith because of your great steps of faith in serving god you've been slandered and criticized and torn down if necessary you've been grieved by various trials it is so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to know before I get into the six things that when gold is put through fire, it doesn't come out as wood. When gold is put through fire, it doesn't come out as bronze either. It comes out as purified gold because the bronze is burnt away, the silver is burnt away, the iron is burnt away. When gold is put in the fire, it comes out as refined gold. Don't you let suffering take you away from the reality that God is only using suffering to purify you. To make you into the person that he's called you to be. To share in his suffering so that you can experience the amazing glory that's set ahead of us. I'm excited for this. So six things, if you're ready, you might want to write this down. First of all, Paul's going to say your suffering can be used to advance the gospel. Now I know that some of you guys, while you're writing that down, you don't like talking about suffering. You're like, I just want to close my eyes to it, I want to close my ears to it. But we're living in a world that is suffering right now. America has had it easy for many, many, many years compared to other nations, compared to where I come from. And we're living in a time now where God is walking us through these tough times and I don't want us as believers to lose focus on how God's why God's walking us through this. Your suffering can be used to advance the gospel. You see, what I want to build right from the get-go is oftentimes we use suffering uh, as a burden that we're trying to carry on our, on our back and we're struggling and we're failing and we're falling and God's was going to Convict us and confront us and say don't use suffering don't carry suffering as a burden, but use it as an opportunity to advance the gospel You see suffering. It's like uh, you know I like using the picture of of essential oils, you know, and sometimes you need a dropper for it, right? I mean, it's good that you have the bottle sitting on your nightstand and sometimes you got a roller You need a dropper. You need a roller. You need to apply it on you suffering oftentimes God uses it as a dropper to be able to fill joy and cover you in it. Suffering is like, it's like your prescription glasses, right, George? Having it on your head is not gonna help you, right? Keep it in your pocket, because George's always looking for his glasses, right, and it's right there on his head. <laughs> and you're like, you do one of those numbers then, right? It's like, where, what, what, what am I doing, what am I looking at? And, and, and you gotta wear it, you gotta put it on for you to be able to see what God is really doing. And Paul, man, he wears suffering really well as he faces the fire and the heat of hardships that comes his way. And the first thing we're gonna see is he uses suffering as a means to advance the gospel. i got to warn you that I'm not going to be shouting and screaming much this morning. It's going to be a lot of teaching because I'm talking to leaders over here. I'm talking to leaders who are going to be making leaders, who are are disciple makers over here. All right? So track with me. Verse 12, Philippians chapter 1. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see, what had happened to Paul was, he was an entrepreneur, free as a bird, church planter, apostle. He was preaching Fire, man. It was beautiful. People being saved everywhere he goes. This guy took the gospel to uncharted territories. He went into places, and, and, and I mean, he was, he was so crazy, listen to me now, that God himself had to close the doors on him. I was saying, no, you can't go there. I want to go to Greece. No, you can't go there. I want to go over here to Mycenae. No, you can't go there. To Bithynia, no, you can't go there. Read Acts chapter 16. It says the spirit of Jesus himself had to be like, stop, Paul. I know the righteous steps of the man is guarded by the Lord, but even the stops of the man is guarded by the Lord, and God's like Paul. You're doing, come on, settle down. In fact, God puts him in prison because God's like, dude, you got to write the Bible, dude. <laughs> like you know, you're going into places and you're sharing the gospel, and people are being saved. You're upset with a slave girl who's like demon-possessed, and you turn around like, that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, and she's like, okay, I'm set free. And they beat him up, and he gets up and he goes preaches the gospel again. And he's saying, listen, what happened to me, all these adversities, all these problems, all these people against me has served to advance the gospel. This is fascinating. This, if you were me, you would get on your feet and you will jump for joy when you hear this. Because the word advance actually means, it's a military term of sending a group of soldiers to go ahead and to remove all barriers before the army invades. Woo! Man, your problems, God wants to use that to advance the gospel, to remove any barriers. So that the message of Jesus Christ will go without any hindrance. Paul is saying, listen man, I do not want you to, 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 to lose heart. I don't want you to be sad. I don't want you to be sorrowful that your beautiful entrepreneur, powerful, mighty, church planter, apostle, Paul is in prison. But what has happened? Oh boy, let me tell you. It served to advise. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Hallelujah. His circumstance, rather than being a hindrance, has led him to advance the gospel. I want to ask you a question, my dear, beloved, you know, disciple makers. What has stopped you from opening your mouth and proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is? What is the adversity that's come your way? What is the shame that people have put on you? What is the prison that you're living in that has stopped you from sharing the beautiful truth of Jesus Christ? Is it your own stupidity? that you're telling yourself that you're foolish? Is it your own sinful patterns that stop you from saying, I am not worthy to preach the gospel? If only this morning the Holy Spirit will tell you, I want you to know, brothers, what's really happened is help me advance the gospel because the gospel is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's all about him. And he says, listen, man, I can be in prison, but Jesus, he's not in prison. I mean, he invades prisons and he breaks the doors open. He's like, break every chain. I do not know what stopped you. Maybe you stepped out in faith and you didn't see God move the way you thought he would move. Don't let that stop you. Maybe you've been praying for healing and God still hasn't healed you. Don't let that stop you. In fact, let God use that. Say, God, how would you use that to advance the gospel? Because my, my battle is not against flesh and blood. My battle is against Satan himself and his dark forces that are coming against me. And then, look at this verse. He says, so that, oh my God, Paul, I, man, this is going to be great to high-five him in heaven, man. I'll tell you this. <laughs> so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial God, that some of you registered read the Praetorium, some people think that there was 9,000 soldiers. This is Nero's own personal homies that are all decked out. Some scholars believe that Paul was chained to uh, two soldiers at a time who were in four-hour shifts. Do the math, 24 hours. I think it's 12. And Paul decides that if he's chained to someone, that person was chosen by God to be elect. And he's like, this person needs to hear the gospel because he's chained to me. And he's like, hey, bro, I want to ask you a question. If you die, do you know where you're going to go? No? <laughs> Well, if God asks you, man, why should I let you into heaven? What are you going to say? I'm just asking. I mean, you guys talk about it. I'm going to take a nap and then we'll come back and we'll discuss, you know? <laughs> and it's like four hours up. It's like, okay, think about it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. New guards are coming in. Hey, bro, just want to ask you a question. No. The whole imperial guard has heard the gospel. And it says, the whole, it, it, so it's become known through the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul This guy, he's got some chutzpah. He's got some power. Nothing stops him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, he's going to close the letter this way and to the church in Philippi. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Check this out, man. Check this out. Is it on the screen? Yeah. All the saints greet you. I told you two weeks ago that when you are blood-bought, when you give your life to Jesus, you become a saint. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014, Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.